Well, happy lottery to you guys. Good morning from the West Coast. I'm headed to Chicago in a few hours for the NBA Combine. Pretty excited about it. Saruti back in Connecticut. We're going to have Brian Windhorse on, so we're going to talk a little lottery. I don't want to call it Fallout, because Fallout implies negativity. And isn't it kind of, isn't it kind of negative? <laughs> By the way, life coach, we have our second client and he'll join us at the end of the podcast, but we'll talk some NBA at the top. Okay. Go ahead, Suri. So you, you're right. I mean, this is not, if you have the final four picks with the way that they've flattened out the top of the lottery, and we can touch on that for a second. And it's New Orleans, Memphis, New York, and LA. That's not exactly the order you would want it to go in. So yeah, it's like they can't say that, but of course. Right. I don't even think, and this is nothing against New Orleans, you know, great city. Yeah. Never been, unfortunately. But, um, Gretna. I mean, this has to be the uh, one of the worst case scenarios for the NBA. I, I, I would imagine because not only is it not LA or New York, like you got teased with, but you're basically giving the best prospect since Anthony Davis to the team that couldn't appease Anthony Davis. You know what I mean? And so they're getting a second crack at it. And I like, you know, we like Griff. We like, you know, like I said, no, nothing against New Orleans, but I can't look at this as anything but a negative for the NBA. Okay, but how much? I, I think what you have to do is is go. Okay, the preference for your business would be that Zion were in New York or L.A. It didn't happen that or way. Chicago or there's a number of teams that I think would have made more sense. Not even just from a market perspective. Just, just we we kind of feel like New Orleans had their shot, right? Yeah, but that's just not the way it works. You well, know, yeah. it's, I, I understand your point and the Davis part of it is there's a bunch of different pieces on that. You know, they didn't do a good job around him. Some of the trades that they made to kind of find a way to put a band aid on something didn't work. Some of the contracts that they handed out were terrible, even though, I mean, this is years ago, but I did this breakdown on, it was back when we had coast to coast for NBA where it was like, look, this is what he, what Demps was doing. This is why he offered this, but it didn't work out, but I kind of understand the whole point. All right. Now I'm getting too sidetracked with this whole thing. But if you're doing a ranking of the markets in the NBA, New Orleans and Memphis, you could argue are, are at the bottom. So I'm yeah. From the business standpoint of it, I just, I don't know. This is really, it's really weird. It's such an odd occurrence. If you were to sit there and say, with all this Anthony Davis stuff that you're going through, oh, by the way, you're going to end up with Zion. And part of the reason you ended up with Zion was because Anthony didn't want to play. (laughs) (laughs) Or you decided to not play him in certain moments, or you're benching him in fourth quarters. Now, you know, all the different angles or all the different combinations of the ping pong balls, remember they want a tiebreaker. Um, on a record thing to even put them in the slot that assigns them that version of the ping pong balls and all this different stuff. I just think it's funny that the NBA keeps trying to fix the lottery because this is something I've gone over before, but in the 80s, when the Rockets really started it up in the 80s, it was like, okay, you guys, like you ruined it for everybody with what the Rockets did trying to get Akeem and they've gotten Ralph Sampson. So then they had a lottery, but then it was like even chances for everyone. And then they were like, okay, wait a minute, that makes a little, that seems ridiculous. So then they started changing the weighting of it the entire time. And then when the worst team in the league wasn't ending up with the pick at the top, like ever, then they loaded up the odds where all of a sudden the team of the worst record ended up at 25%. And then it's like, wait a minute, now everybody's just tanking too much, which look, tanking's still going to happen. It's like, let's flatten this out. And I'm sure I haven't got up 
to that wouldn't be part of my prep today. But I'm sure over the course of whatever the aftermath is from this lottery or whatever lotteries happen, if we keep it the same system, I would imagine for a little while, then people are going to start complaining like this is ridiculous. These teams are moving up. So there's no way to do this in the way that everybody goes, you know what, this is perfectly fine. And I'm actually, if tanking, which has gotten better, a few years ago it was atrocious with what teams were trying to do and how quickly teams were just punting on the entire season. I've become more open to some of these tournament ideas and some of these things happening. And it has nothing to do with New Orleans or or Memphis being at the top. You know me, I don't think I really care about that stuff. But yeah, Sarudi, this is not, if you had those four options and it ended up with, Neither of those teams with a chance at, at the best prospect in a decade, then I, I don't want to say like, oh, hey, this sucks because I think other people are going to do that. That's not how I feel. That's not how I feel about New Orleans. You guys know I wouldn't even say that about Memphis, even though, you know, ownership is it's kind of out of control down there anyway. But I don't know. I, I just imagine if he'd end up on the Lakers. Imagine. Well, that's the thing, too, because obviously they made a huge jump. And if the Lakers had gotten the first pick, I don't think anybody's complaining today about the lot, the new lottery, right? Um, oh, see, I don't know about that. Really? You don't think people would be complaining that, like, are you kidding me? The Lakers end up with Zion? I mean, people would say, oh, it's rigged, it's rigged, it's rigged, because they do that every single Why would year. they do it for LA, though? And if, the, if it were rigged, I mean, I can do my whole rigged rant here, but the Duncan year, that made no sense. Like, you wouldn't want him in San Antonio, and it worked out great. More so than that, why would they let Cleveland and Dan Gilbert win it three times in the span of a few years? So, all right, that's my anti-rig thing, so go ahead. No, I just think, you know, this to me is, and I'm not, I'm not against this new lottery. I think probably over time it'll, it'll even itself out. There's going to be years like this year where, teams jump up maybe it'll happen all the time but i mean the odds are what they are so i imagine you know the teams in the top three are going to eventually as time goes on probably be end up picking in the top three most of the time but um i just can't to me it's not even like a memphis thing to me i just feel bummed because i just think new orleans had their shot and you're essentially you know, you're essentially rewarding this team, and I know it's a new, new, new regime, kind of there, new front office, and all that stuff. And you're rewarding them. And I, by the way, I mean, are, were you reading into any of the Zion like body language stuff? Because that didn't look too great either. But I can't imagine what it's like to, in that exact moment, and you're going, okay, I could be in New York, I could be in L.A. If it were really rigged, they'd put him in New York. They wouldn't put him in L.A. I mean, it's better to have him in L.A., but if you're looking at a year sample of ratings going down, which, again, in one year, you go, is that really what's happening? LeBron being in the West Coast, LeBron not being in the playoffs. I swear to God, I think putting Houston on as many times they did nationally has something to do with it, too. That's not an anti-Houston thing. If anybody who's a Rockets fan, after my rant previously, uh, I didn't say anything nasty about your team after you lost to Golden State in Game 6. We'll get to that a little bit later. But if you're a kid, I, I know, I, I'd react that way now. If they're like, hey, we get a, a draft and you have five chances, different cities you're going to live in, it's going to be South Beach. I don't know if I'd want to live in South Beach, actually. I don't want to think about it. Um, you'd be in Denver, but there's going to be a wheels up thing where you're just going to be able to go to the beach whenever you want <laughs> so you don't feel too landlocked. We put you in Whistler. I don't even know. I just made that up. Um, Positano. And then it's like, hey, and Trenton. And I'd be like, oh. Really? So I got to go live there for like seven or eight years? <laughs> well, the whole like, thing was actually pretty uncomfortable, I thought, for him, right? Because they're like, you got Rachel Nichols, you got, you know, Jay Will, you got Jay Billis, you got Woes. They're all talking 
about like you know his future and talking about how great he is and all these teams that want him and like it was a little bit uncomfortable like you could tell he was a little uncomfortable in the moment because he seems kind of he's he seems like a pretty humble guy and that whole sort of set and then the lead up to it of like New York wants you this this wants you and then yeah you're right oh it's it's New Orleans that wasn't even on my radar like he's never been ago. there yeah did you see that he'd never oh, been yeah. to New Orleans. Uh, which, you know, doesn't make a ton of, like, it's not that weird that a kid one year out of high school hasn't been to New Orleans or hasn't been I've to a bunch of different so. cities. You've never been to New never Orleans? Never been, no. I've been to Baton Rouge, uh, but never been to New Orleans. A little different. A little different than Baton Rouge. I've heard. But, yeah. Um, wow, that's funny. Yeah, New Orleans, it's still, even though Griff is there, there's just this weird uncertainty with, with what's going on with the team because Gail Benson at one point was was close to selling this thing. And then things got weird this year with Davis, with firing Demps, with wondering what was going on with Gentry, and then then all like, wait a minute, Danny Ferry's gonna keep the job and he's gonna bump up. Oh, wait a minute, they went out and actually got a, a guy in in David Griffin, and yet they're keeping the coach and you know, part of it was that I think Gail Benson felt like everything was such an embarrassment. She wanted to write it, write the ship a little bit. But is that write the ship in the sense of this is a long term solution, or this team is going to end up in another city? And if they end up in another city, what kind of timeline are we talking? Because I think if it did ever end up getting sold, it would be in New Orleans at least through the 2024 Super Bowl. So. There's that if there's some kind of stability, but um, I, I guess I, I don't I don't get real worked up on oh he should have been here he should have been there yeah for the good of the league he should have been on the Knicks um, and if it's not that then it's then it's the Lakers the LeBron Zion thing would have been fascinating from a just a like how is this going to work out because there's no way even though LeBron normally would go oh, I don't want to do this like a rookie. Like, look where I'm at. I'm, I'm at the tail end of my career. I'm still about winning titles. Now i got to go with a rookie. You're like, wait a minute, that rookie? Okay, I'm back in. And then the Knicks topic, which I thought was a really good radio-ish topic, of if Zion went to New York, would KD or a Kyrie go, wait a minute. You know, like, I'm KD. I'm, I might be the best player in the world, and I'm, in a weird way, not as big of a star as this new thing in Zion going to the Knicks. Like, I'm not sure about this. Now, I'm not sure that that would necessarily happen, but it's at least a good question. It's a good topic, and it wouldn't be crazy if a guy like Durant, who at times can find ways to be unhappy when it doesn't seem like he should be, or Kyrie, who's even better at it, uh, would, would have a bit of an issue with that. Or guys going, we're looking at rings right now. Why are we going to wait on some young dude? But the problem with with that theory is that I don't know that you're really going to have to wait on Zion. The more I watch him, and this isn't where you're like, man, I'm really psyched to download the Rosillo Show podcast because Ryan and May said Zion is good, so that's huge. <laughs> but huge is true. the more the more you go back as I, I start cranking up the draft prep stuff, I don't know what there is to not like about him. And that's not just his game. Yeah, the shot isn't great. It's flat. His uh, his arm is all over the place. It's a line drive. It just doesn't look that good. But that's about it. That's did, really about it. Did, well, you, see, that. did you see the uh, – because we were doing this yesterday on Will's show, and we ha- we asked stats and analysis and people to kind of compile this information for us about like – how can't like how much of a can't miss prospect does he compare to like the last fifteen or so years like since LeBron essentially 
and he was by far the biggest can't miss prospect that like our stats analysis department had. I think second was uh, Kevin Durant. Third was actually Tyreek Evans, which is hilarious. Um, but he was about he's about a seventy five percent projection to be an all star, which surprised me a ton. I heard it. I was um, I was in the car because I was I came on the show, so I had heard that. I'm just going back and looking here because I want to I want to check it out. Uh, yeah, Steph Curry was three. I mean, it was it's an it's an odd it's an odd sort of uh, the Steph three thing is really impressive that they had that yeah. in their their model, whatever it was. But that was uh, right after Tyreek Evans, as I said. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just wondering if it was because Davis. I mean, Davis played 32 minutes, but he took less shots than Deron Lamb, Terrence Jones, the same amount as Michael Kidd Gilchrist, less shots than Marquise Teague. He was basically fourth or fifth in shots among the starters. And that Kentucky team played, they played kind of seven guys, but not really with Wiltshire, not, not playing a ton. They were a really, really balanced team. So I just wonder if part of, like, I wouldn't look at Zion now and then go Anthony. Like, when Anthony Davis, when the thing, when you go back and start looking at some of the stuff, you go, oh my God, is this guy real? Like, can he really do some of these things? Like, you're going to be kidding me. We had Cal up in campus before it and I think I got to obviously interview him on the show but talk to him a little bit off of the show although he would tell you you know any one of his guys were going to be the next Jordan and we were talking a little bit about a shot I go I'm actually really blown away about his shot because yeah you know he can hit it we just get sick of letting him shoot it it's like he let him shoot it in the beginning of the year and then he told him to stop so I wonder if the Zion formula leads to a percentage that's much higher because the production was much higher and watching Duke and going back through those games, which, again, is what I'm starting to do, Zion got better and better. His feet, his hands, his aggressiveness, the full throttle, I'm going to compete all these possessions, um, the way he seals in the post, the way he can pass, the way he passed out of double teams, the way some of his passes in transition. I mean, he had a pass in transition in the tournament where it was like one-handed, half the distance to the court ahead of him, perfect setup, led the guy, and you're like, wait a minute, like, what is this? And I'm serious. If you guys remember the Instagram part of this, where it was his mixtapes, you didn't. It didn't show us a well-rounded basketball player. Like, we didn't know. Not that you know, set set shots or you know, like, man, that was dope. I don't like this. But Zion got better and better and better. And I love his personality. You said, hey, it seems like he's humble. I think all those things are real. And he has just attitude after he came back from the injury. He's like, I want to play UNC again. I want to win an ACC title. I want to try to go to the Final Four, win a national championship. Like, this this is fun, folks. And I'm like, God, this guy's awesome. As good as he got, RJ, and especially Reddish, got terrible. Like, RJ got worse, and Reddish, if you're taking him in the top five now, you must love what you saw from him in high school because there's no way you can like the stuff that you saw at Duke. So, there you go. So, and then, of course, everybody's asking the big question: Does this mean anything for Anthony Davis's future? Okay, I think Griff, because he has to, he goes back to Anthony Davis and like, look, what do you think? Can can we pitch on this whole thing? You, Drew, Zion. The sad thing from a basketball standpoint, I think Zion and AD like is the perfect combo because Zion can actually post and AD can stretch people out. Like you can play a little two man game with those guys. Because we know Davis's passing is incredible, and Zion's you know good enough to kick it out if they were to double. But are you going to double Zion? You're not going to double off of Davis for Zion from a basketball thing and the way they can get up and run. 
<laughs> it's actually too bad if it doesn't happen. But would you, if you were Griff, Saruti, if Davis said, I still don't want to be here and I'm not re-signing, would you say, well, let's just see if you like playing with them enough and we'll go to the trade deadline? I think I think I think I'd I'd have to do that, right? I I would definitely trade him before the deadline if you know if if I couldn't change his mind. But I think you have to see the two of them on the court together. I want, that, or to. does that kill his value so much? I, and some will argue that, and they could be right. You know, some of the stuff that I've seen today, like the the newness of the pick, right? The newness of having a pick, really. Let's like I think we need to settle down on some of that stuff. Where the Lakers end up with four instead of outside of the top ten, it's like, oh, the Lakers are loaded with assets now. Like, no, they have a pick that's like six picks higher than, than we thought it was going to be. That's all. Yeah, and what most people are saying is a three-person draft, if that, right? Yeah, but you, I'm going to tell you, it's going to end up, it's going to end up being like the closer we get to this, be like, you know what? There's some, there's a little depth in this thing. <laughs> is that? Um, I heard people saying this. Is that the Lakers' best asset? Probably is. I mean, other than LeBron. But the LeBron thing, it was weird. Like, when I was on Get Up with Greeny and Seth Greenberg, and that was a really weird deal because Stephen A. came out and said Jeannie, people close to Jeannie Buss were saying you should trade LeBron. And we found out it was people from her spin class. And then that became a thing. And then people built graphics. And then Stephen A. came on and, like, shot down his own thing. It was like, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> like, okay, well, we just spent 24 hours on this. So then, you know, from a discussion standpoint, it's like, all right, who cares about the origin? Let's just talk about it in general. And I had said, I don't know what the market would be for LeBron. And then Levitard came on and basically called us idiots the whole time. And I was like, yeah, but you're not, you're, you're not being nuanced here at all. You're just, you're just saying, oh, Rosilla thinks there's no trade value for LeBron. The market for LeBron is so complicated because even though he doesn't have the no trade, you can't just trade him to a city and think it's all going to work out. And you can't trade him to a city that doesn't already have stars there. So there'd have to be some back-channeling approval of this whole thing. So that's my whole LeBron trade value thing. Um, so, yeah, isn't it better than Brandon Ingram with health issues? Better than Lonzo Ball with health issues? And let's face it, when it's a pick, when, it, when it's the new car that hasn't been driven off the lot, that is so much... Think of the way we've talked about... Let me just, let me just do this for you. Saruti. Because all right, let me let me put it to you this way as I look this up. Do you think it isn't? I still think I'd rather have I still think I'd rather have like Lonzo Ball than say DeAndre Hunter or somebody like that. I don't I'm kind of off the Ingram thing, although I think that's kind of a toss up too. Like I don't none of those guys after after RJ really get me that excited. Like I like Culver, but I still kind of have to buy into. I think I could. Cha- I think away from LeBron, away from all the noise, I can make Lonzo into something. You know. Okay. I haven't given up on Lonzo, but you're closer to having to pay his contract. The Ingram thing is the same deal. You know, I really, I, I blame myself for not bringing up Kuzma earlier because, from a player standpoint, Kuzma is a better asset than either of those guys. And honestly, Kuzma, Kuzma, right now in this draft. If we're being totally fair and just being real, instead of pretending like a guy, you know, the draft is about hoping a guy is something we've never seen before. I don't think, I don't think you could sit there and say I'd rather have the fourth pick in this draft than Kuzma. That's That actually seems ridiculous. So, now that we've worked it all the way through, I'm going to say no. 
I'm going to say Kuzma is a better draft, or excuse me, a better trade asset. Look back at just a few years ago. This is one of your favorite drafts, already 2015. Like, oh wow, the number five pick, the number five pick, Mario Hazonia. <laughs> well, sixth pick. I, you sixth know, pick. you know your, like, you know your thing you did on the ringer, uh, where it was like guys that you still believe in that you always sort of, you know, yeah. well, you know, yours was Jeff Green, and that mine's Mario Hazonia. It's always been. I just think in the right system, he's he's going to be great, but. Careful with that. Holding out hope. Careful. I'm just telling you, it can be years of pain. It's it's been sixth pick, and he came on this year. Willie Cauley Stein came on this year. Uh, Emmanuel Mudiay went seventh. Daniel Johnson went eighth. Frank Kaminsky went ninth. Winslow, who I still haven't given up on, tenth. You know, Trey Lyles went twelfth. So that's not four, five, and six. But you start going, man. We can package seven. We can package seven in this expiring. Like, should we be able to get a superstar? And some teams still, I feel like they operate that way. So, Darius Garland's kind of my new favorite guy. The point guard from Vandy. He's from Nashville. He'd been offered by everybody, Kentucky Duke. I don't know if it was ever close with Duke because that would have solved all their problems. But then he actually, after four games, he played in the fifth game. He had a little MCL thing. He ended up not coming back. But he is quicker than all these dudes. Like when I look at a Culver, I go, "Yeah, there's some nights where you go, he's the NBA player that's out there." But the shot selection, some of the stuff is is bad, and I'm not sure he's a great athlete. And I'm, when I say great athlete, I mean like jump off the page. You're like, "Oh my god, look at this guy!" Darius Garland's a better shooter and quicker than Ja Morant, but he's not the better player than Ja. But he's he's five, not even five full games at Vandy. And then bounces, but he's he's serious. I actually, the closer this gets to the top of it, I'd be surprised if Garland doesn't go in the top five. I'd be surprised if he, he's not ahead of of Culver, Hunter, um, some of those other guys. Seku, the kid who plays in the French league, he's kind of a mess, but he's six nine and he, he when he runs, he's like faster than everybody else. But I don't know how good of a basketball player he is. But I have more. I'm not going to go through all the game stuff because it just you probably heard it everywhere else, and I've, I've already done it with Simmons. So, you know, what does it mean for Toronto? I think these guys have already made up their minds. I don't think a game-winning shot makes Kawhi go, now I'm definitely going to do this. Like, if he's going to stay in Toronto, he probably already felt like he wanted to stay in Toronto, and I don't think the shot has anything to do with it. I think everybody loses their minds. They get emotional about it. They think the shot means everything. It means everything to the franchise to get to the next round. But I don't think, as the ball is in the air the balance of Kawhi's decision is based on the balance of that ball going through the hoop. Also, I never really did a rip the Rockets thing after the fact because as bad as it was for them to lose at home in game six, I still think if you went, who would I rather have, Harden or Steph? You'd say Steph. Who would I rather have, Chris Paul or Clay? You would say Clay. Who would I rather have, Dre or P.J. Tucker? I think that one's closer than you'd think, but it's still Draymond. And if you said, who would I rather have, Eric Gordon or Andre Iguodala? Probably Gordon, but it's close. And then if you did Capella Looney, you'd probably say Capella, but it's closer than you think on that one, too, because Looney's really improved this year. So when you say all those things, you go, wait a minute, why did everybody lose their minds? Well, because it's one game result, Durant goes out, they come back, they're able to hold on, win game five at home. But winning game six on the road for that group that I just mentioned in comparison to the other roster is not crazy. It just isn't. And it was minus seven and a half for, for Houston. So I am not, even though I've done my Houston rant, numerous versions of it all season long, 
I would not blame them for bringing back basically the entire group and saying, let's just see what this looks like if Durant bounces. Because if Durant bounces, it's more open than it's ever been. And that's really the, the interesting thing on both sides of this. It's the same thing with Philly. Like Philly and Houston, I don't see as similar rosters or identical situations, but in comparison to what their plan would be this offseason, I can see Philly bringing everybody back. I'm still surprised about the Brett Brown thing happening so fast, but maybe that has more to do with his contract than it does with them feeling great about it. Or maybe they feel like they are really close and that if the ball bounces another way, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. How would you get rid of that guy? So we're not going to get rid of Brett. We like him. We're all on the same page. The players like him. I don't understand some of the late game stuff with them because they consistently seem in big spots to not get it done. But Whenever I look at all of these offseason obits for these teams, when it's disappointing in the finish, it doesn't mean that you have to tear the whole thing down, and especially with what will Toronto look like with or without Kawhi. What the hell is going on with Boston, which I need more credit for from you guys nationally, and especially in the 617 for calling that right all year long. So if Philly goes, you know what, let's just keep all of our dudes, and we could actually be the best team in the East. The Middleton factor is the other one in Milwaukee, although I'd be surprised if they let him leave. So whenever we're going through all this offseason stuff, I just think it's it's really it's important to remind ourselves to go, I could see GM just going, all right, let's just try to see what happens next year instead of how do we beat these teams at the top because the teams at the top may be coming back down to you. Okay, before we check in with Brian Windhorst, some lot of reaction to him, trying to predict some more of this NBA summer stuff, which we probably won't be able to do, but we have a little bit more information today than we did yesterday. want to remind you, because you guys know this deal, as most of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt is easy. Getting out of it, though, is hard, especially if your FICO score isn't great, dude. Sky-high interest rates can make it incredibly hard for you to break out of the revolving debt cycle. Thankfully, now there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off high-interest credit card debt. Upstart, back in the day, could have helped out a dude, but I didn't have it back then. Back then, you were just like, what the hell's going on? Why do people keep calling my home phone? Upstart goes beyond the traditional FICO score when assessing your credit worthiness. They actually reward you based on your education and job history in the form of a smaller interest rate. Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score. They make it fast, simple, easy to check your rate in just a few minutes without affecting your credit score. The best part, once the loan is approved, most people get their funds the very next business day. The next day, over 200,000 people have used Upstart to pay off student loans, fund their wedding, or to make a large purchase. Free yourself from the burden of debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is ranked number one in their category with over 300 businesses on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash Russillo, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O, to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes, and it's not going to affect your credit score. That's a very important factor. I always bring it up because I believe in it. That's upstart.com slash Rosillo, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O. As promised, we bring in Brian Windhorst, who is uh, out in Oakland, getting ready for game two after game one win by Golden State. I didn't even break any of that down because I was still so excited about the lottery. So maybe one question on this series of Brian, but Brian, I, I think this stuff is more interesting. We have a little bit more information to trying to guide what all this will mean this summer with so many different names. What's the biggest takeaway from the lottery for you? Let me tell you what my biggest takeaway is. I don't know if you are like um, going to like Venice Beach every day or if you're wearing like 
like medium shirts on these ringer videos, but you are like super duper ripped right now. <clears throat> I can't believe how ripped you are. I'm going to have to like maybe suggest a steroid test. <laughs> People, I know this, is, I know this, I know that, this yes. is a very bizarre topic of conversation, <laughs> but I'm sorry. What do you want me to say? I'm just being honest. Well, look, it's to me every steroid accusation is a compliment, so I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> Boy, was that was that a non-denial if I've ever heard one? <laughs> no, I, I look, I'll uh I'll take a test right now. But um Yeah, okay. No, Connecticut Connecticut was a, a boring run for me. I would say half of it, not because of work, but I was I was in a real uh I was the captain of my own ship there for a bunch of years towards the end with not a lot of interaction with other human beings and I just decided I'm going for it workout wise and you was, are yeah. <laughs> you are you're like you're like tiger like circa 2007 <clears throat> I, I feel like you're still getting back to some sort of accusation here Pete no but, I'm not I'm just I'm commenting it's, it's fantastic um okay you reminded so me of Zion this... <laughs> well I would have been happy to go to New Orleans I, I I think I would have been happier than Zion was yeah well just to illustrate how the league thinks the first thing that happened as soon as New Orleans uh, won the lottery, where there were people texting me going, "Could he force a Could he force a trade to New York? Could he say he's not going to New Orleans?" Um, it was, uh, you know, I could have gone team by team and given ad nauseum reasons why each team would have been amazing if they won, what the chaos would have happened if they won, why they should have won, what sort of karma was on their side, and um, so. The funny thing about this is, you know, I really do get annoyed about everybody defaulting to, you know, it's everything's fixed. Well, the the two smallest markets that were in the uh, lottery got picks one and two. And I can promise you that is not what anybody in the league wanted other than people in Memphis and New Orleans. But, Ryan, uh, one of the things that really gave me so much life – even this morning was the videos out there on social media of the Pelicans fans reacting to, you know, it's a real thing now and I love it and I'm here for it. People recording themselves watching these events. Like, so, cause everybody experiences it, um, in their own way. And the same thing happened with, uh, with Kawhi, uh, his shot over the weekend. Seeing the people react to those, I just, I love that. And I defy you to think that this is a bad thing. Go watch those videos of those Pelicans fans, and I defy you to, to say that it's a bad thing. Yes, it's a smaller group of people, but for the health of the league, um, this is what the NBA is. The NBA is not a six-team league. It's a 30-team league. Uh, we can argue about whether it should be a 30-team league, but it is right now. And we now have a scenario where we're going to see a lot more action because of the way this played out. So now that we know where everybody sits pick-wise, I thought some of the Lakers stuff this morning that I was watching was like, okay, the Lakers clear, clearly have, have the best aim. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I don't know if I agree with that. And I'm not sure if Griff, and this is me guessing it, like, you know, we don't know. Maybe Griff loves one guy in the Nick. Maybe he loves Kevin Knox. Maybe he loves Kyle Kuzma. Maybe he thinks Tatum is insanely better than all of those guys. You know, I don't, I'm not 100% sure. I could tell you, you know, whispers, but I don't even know. You know, you always worry, like, is that even accurate? To say the Lakers are going to get them now because of last night is a big reach. So how do you see what could happen with Davis? And how much of that do you think is Griff trying to really sincerely pitch Davis of, hey, why don't you give it a year and play with this guy, or at least until February, and then we'll see what happens? 
Yeah, that was definitely floated last night by Griff, which was absolutely. Hey, yeah. you know, let's not forget that we don't have to trade him this summer, uh, and also don't forget he can sign that contract extension, two hundred thirty million. He can he can sign that any time from July first, two thousand nineteen to June thirtieth, two thousand twenty. Any time in there, he can take the two hundred some million. Um, so here, so the, there's great news and bad news for the Lakers. The great news is their pick jumped from 11 to 4. Um, it's a tremendous uh, leap for them. It totally changes the level of player that they can get. Vastly changes the value of the of that asset. Huge moment for them uh, in an otherwise very disappointing last six months. Um, the bad news is is that this draft breaks at three, and. Um, I'm not saying that somebody who's picked four or picked seven a year from now won't look like he should be a top one or two pick. That happens all the time. But in terms of the value of these picks and the way they're viewed across the league, the, the, it's, it's largely believed to be a two or three player draft in terms of franchise players. So in some ways, having the fourth pick is not so good because some people don't view it all that much differently than the seventh or eighth pick. They think that the talent levels that you get in there are roughly the same. So the Knicks pick, even though it's only one ahead, is significantly more valuable than the Lakers pick. That's one. I think I just need to point that out. And by the way, I'm not making these player evaluations. I don't watch college basketball very much. I'm just telling you what all these scouts who make it their life tell me. The second thing is, I just don't think the Pelicans want to make a deal with the Lakers. And when I say I don't think, I, I, I know that that's how they feel. Now, had the Lakers won the lottery and they had, they had Zion and they had an opportunity to offer something like that, it would, it would have been so overwhelming that I think it would have maybe removed that impediment, Ryan. But uh, there is a lot of animosity and scar tissue built up between these organizations. And even though the leadership has changed, um, I, I feel very strongly that New Orleans does not want to make a deal with L.A. And by the way, you don't need me to check your work because you're the reporter, but I 100% agree with your don't want to make a deal with the Lakers theory. And it's not really even a theory. It's And by the way, it's you know easy I mean? to – and I will say this. It's easy to say that you don't want to make a deal with somebody when you don't like what they have to offer. Um, and they, exactly. they, didn't, li- they yeah. didn't like what they had to offer. Yeah. So, so, the, so the platter has improved – has improved – but when you're holding the number one, again, if the, if New Orleans is sitting there with the with the seventh pick, and the fourth pick is on the table, okay, maybe you can at least have some conversations. But you're holding the filet mignon now, you know. You're you know you don't need the ribeye if you have the filet mignon. And I, I mean, this again, this draft is not compelling enough at four to where you'd say, oh man. Uh, now at three, it's a different conversation. The other thing is if you're going to trade, uh, you know, and I, I'm not saying that the Knicks are in the catbird seat either. The Knicks can't trade the number three pick unless they know they're getting Durant or Kyrie or somebody else and the timelines are off. So that's another complicated topic altogether. But I, 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 I think Lakers fans should be very, very happy. I don't think they should be getting their Anthony Davis jerseys. Yeah, and and you're right also to point that out. Like when all that stuff was happening during the deadline, and it's like, oh, they don't want to deal with the Lakers. They don't want to deal with the Lakers. Like, well, at the core, they don't like the deal, and now they That's don't right. like the Lakers. And so, unless the- <laughs> right? They, trust me, they they already didn't like the Lakers. Then they didn't like what. Then then they then they thought that the Lakers were complicit in Anthony's trade demand, which is probably not true. But good luck talking them out of it. But again, it's an easy position to take if you don't like what the offer is. Perfect. Yeah, perfectly said. So, do you have a read on this then? Because I still feel like Boston 
was going to go, all right, we're going to, we, we want to add AD to Kyrie to convince Kyrie. And then, I don't know, more days removed from the way that series went. I just, I just don't know whether or not they can bring him back. And then if they can't bring him back, I don't think that they can make a Davis deal knowing that, okay, so we're going to do this again where we could lose him next summer. So the Boston part is interesting. The Knicks part is interesting, but all of this is connected. Like there's there's a real ripple effect in a way that I don't know that we've ever seen in a summer for the NBA free agency stuff. Yes, so the free agency is tied to the draft more than I've ever seen because uh, the top markets for the free agents are lottery markets, Knicks, Lakers, um, Clippers, and, and Nets to sort of a secondary extent, but Knicks, Lakers, Bulls, Mavericks, um, Hawks, I don't think the Hawks are really going to be involved in free agency. They're hoping, but, um, and then you have the, you know, two or three of the top best players in the, in the game are free agents. So, and then you have a couple of game changing, um, game changing draft picks. So you have this cocktail. The problem is that the timelines are off. Let's, let me remind you that, that the draft is like what, June 24th or June 22nd? 21st, I can't I think. Okay, it's it's in June, and free agency doesn't start till July. Now, granted, um, we now know that free agency really starts in June. In fact, the NBA is going to announce pretty soon here that they're going to move the, uh, the 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 moratorium or the uh, the opening of free agency from midnight east to six east on June thirtieth. Because it's you know it, back in the good old days, you know when I was in my twenties, you know there would be people, teams would follow the rules and. People wouldn't start signing or committing until like July second, third, fourth. Sometimes even after the holiday. Uh, now all free agency happens in July first, second, third. Like last year, free agency was pretty much over by the holiday. So we're, we'll see a flurry of deals starting right away. the The issue is though, like if you're the Celtics, Ryan, you kind of got to know what Kyrie is going to do before you decide whether you're going to trade. You know all these assets because. I would assume that New Orleans, if they want to make a trade with Boston and they want first round picks, they're going to want to make him in this draft. So I would think that the Anthony Davis trade would want to take place before the draft. Um, so the timing is off and, and, you know, using Kyrie's own words, check with me July 1st. Um, I don't know if Kyrie is going to give them the courtesy of telling them, yes, I plan to opt out and leave or I plan to opt out and stay. Um, on June fifteenth, which is probably when they need to know. I can't imagine trying to bank on Kyrie for information. You know exactly. And so, would you and I agree that if they don't have any read on Kyrie, they can't do a Davis deal? They're not in it. Or do you think, I would think Ainge that- would still do it? Because he, you know, look, he didn't do the Paul George deal before because he goes, I, I don't know if I can resign this guy, so I'm not giving up the assets. With Kyrie, it was two years. I think they felt like we're giving the keys to a great franchise to Kyrie. Why would he not like this? Great ownership, great GM, great coach. Let's do it. Look at all these assets. And then if he bounces or has no certainty, I just, I don't know. It's like as bold as Ainge has been in the past, I don't think he'd be that bold because that would almost feel irresponsible to lose those kinds of players with assets back-to-back summers. Right. Well, the Kyrie, if they lose Kyrie for nothing... It's not the end of the world because they traded Isaiah Thomas in the number eight pick for him. I guess Jay yeah. Crowder too. Yeah. Um, the number eight pick, you know, he's fine, but it's not a, it's not a franchise changing pick. If you get into the Anthony Davis sweepstakes, and it will be a sweepstakes, you know, the Knicks and Lakers are going to. I assume the Knicks. I mean, I, I can't see why they wouldn't. 
I assume the Knicks and Lakers are going to make you know pretty gigantic offers. I don't think this you know the, one of the things that the Celtics have been able to do with their trades that Danny Ainge has executed, where he's just totally won the trades. They haven't been auctions. He's been able to do deals where he leverages the situation. Kyrie, for whatever reason, wasn't an auction, even though he had two years left in his contract, um, as an example. Uh, and he sort of made some sly trade deadline moves. And, and I, you know, we'll never know what Philly was being offered for the number one pick, but I don't think that was much of an auction either, because I don't think they wanted to move down that far. Uh, I'm sorry, what Philly was offering, because I don't think Celtics wanted to move down that far. It wasn't like they were taking bids. So, I, I, I don't think the Celtics like operating in an auction. And I also think that if, you know, it's one thing to lose the number eight pick and Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie, which you got two years out of. It's another thing to trade multiple firsts, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, or Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, um, for a potential one year rental. And you don't even really know if you're going to be that, you don't even really know if you're going to move the ball down the field that much. Um, it's a huge risk. And the thing about it is, uh, it really, regardless of what Anthony Davis says, the rules make it um, very unlikely he's going to extend his contract immediately, no matter where he goes. First off, as soon as he's traded, he can't extend for six months. So I've been saying this. Even if he was traded to a team and he got a face tattoo of that team's logo and came from the airport to the arena in a, in a parade uh, <laughs> celebrating that city... He yeah. can't sign the extension for six months. And even then, okay, let's even say he's traded June 1st. You know, he couldn't sign it for, you know, till the new year or I guess November. Even then, the rules make it unlikely that he will extend um, because he would lose the ability to get the Supermax. So it would make the most sense for him to get to free agency. What, what that's a long-winded way of saying is any place where he goes is going to have the uncertainty about, well, what if this season doesn't go well? He could walk on us. So... Any trade that any trade that any team makes, you're not going to have certainty. So even if Anthony Davis had some sort of change of heart and declared his undying love for the city of Boston, clam chowder, you know, the Red Sox, etc., they still wouldn't feel like they for sure were going to keep him. And that is a cloud that hovers over every offer for Anthony Davis, especially for the Celtics, and especially especially if you are having Kyrie walk out the door in, in July. Really well done on that. Okay, so is there any other team that's worth paying attention to? And I, I don't know if we did a full – I feel like i got two things I want to ask you. So is there a way to go more in-depth on kind of all the different moving parts from the Knicks' perspective? Because there's an argument to be made they have the best offer out there, but I don't know you know, how they feel, how Griff feels about Kevin Knox. I'll have to go back and look at all those round tables. Well, it's not just Kevin Knox. TV. You know, uh, like he, to me – if you have the number three pick to offer, that's a pretty good asset. Yeah, with um, Knox is what I mean. Oh, no. I, I'm asking – if I'm David Griffin, I'm asking for Knox. I'm asking for uh, Mitchell Robinson. I'm asking for Dennis Smith. And pro- I would ask for both of the picks that they got from Dallas mm-hmm. um, for, for Porzingis. They could negotiate on that. I'm asking for all of that. Uh, now, whether New York can do that without a promise of, of uh, Davis staying, that's a different discussion. But um, it's not just Knox. Uh, I, I'm asking for all those dudes. And if you're the Knicks, I think the scenario is this. Um, if we get Kyrie and Durant, or even if you just get Durant, pairing him with Davis makes you an instantaneous contender. And so the second thing you would say is, well, how are they going to stock out the rest of the team? Well, obviously that's going to be a setback. 
um, they they would have their mid level exception of uh, of eight million dollars that they could break up or use on one player, and then there would be minimums. Um, uh, they would they, they would get the uh, I'm sorry they wouldn't even get the mid level they would get the room exception so it wouldn't even be that it would it would be a, a much smaller exception and then it would be minimums and yeah it would it, you know you would have a you would have a problem you'd have to really work hard as a free agent or as a front office to fill out that team but if you can get two or three of those guys together you absolutely do it I mean I I go back to the Heat in 2010 they had to pretty much gut their roster. Um, and they just kept signing all these guys to the minimum. Like I think they actually paid like twenty or twenty-five different players that year because they kept signing guys. And yeah, um, they cycled through like Mike Bibby and Zadrina Solgowskis and Jamal McGlure and Eric Dampier and um, uh, even guys. You know, they had Patrick Beverly for fifteen minutes, believe it or not, before they cut him. You're going to have to go through a season where you're probably going to have to, you know patchwork to, uh, the, the back end of the team together. But I still think you do it. I don't think you sit there and say, yeah, we really want to hold on to Mitchell Robinson, um, so we're not going to put him in this deal. I think if you can get Anthony Davis and you can uh, compare him with one of those other guys, and my gosh, you compare him with two. And I, I would need a whiteboard um, and a calculator to explain how that has to happen. There's all kinds of maneuvers that would have to go on for it to happen. But um, it could happen. Long story short, they could put that team together. Okay. All right. Last thing. Your read on, on being around the Warriors here as we're trying to figure out when Katie's going to come back and whether or not it's a resurgence or actually they still were on paper better than Houston in Game 6 and certainly better with this team than Portland in the Western Conference Finals. But it's been kind of fun just for anybody that's appreciated this Warriors run, to watch them, and it's not the same thing, but to see the guard play that you have by necessity without Durant as opposed to what we saw with Durant. The Warriors are having a blast, Ryan. And it's a it's a strange gray area because I don't necessarily think it's some sort of comment or message to KD, although that's a part of it. Um, and I don't think it's like, wow, KD was holding us back, so now we can go that way. I mean, yeah, right. to, a, to, a, to a man, they all recognize the guy as an absolute stud who they want to keep. But it's 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 just I, I don't I don't know I don't the only way I can compare it is like maybe if you know you were a couple years out of college and you went back and were hanging out with your college guys again and you were you were having kegers like you did before. You know you've moved on from that and that isn't your life anymore, but it's really fun to go back to it. And the one thing that I I didn't understand and granted I, I haven't spent a ton of time around the Warriors the last five years in the finals, yes, but mostly I've been with uh, LeBron and the Cavs and you know LeBron is nowhere to be found. So I've been with the Warriors this postseason. But when they when when Durant got hurt in game five against Houston I thought they were in deep trouble. I didn't think they necessarily were going to lose the series, but I thought they were in deep trouble. And they had a euphoria around them. They they came back and won that game um, after Durant went down. And I was like, don't you guys realize you're in big trouble? But they were like, we're not in trouble, actually, sir. We're, we're just fine. And not only is Steph come roaring back, but like they're getting <laughs> great, huge games from Jonas Rebko. They're getting like Kevin Looney games, like – um, that's one of the things that's happened these last few games is these bench guys who were giving them zero for weeks, like are coming out of nowhere. I mean, Quinn Cook, he was buried at the end of the bench. Might as well go to the G League, and this dude's coming out and hitting threes. Um, and it, and I, again, I don't think it's anything to do with Durant directly, but it's an offshoot 
of the circumstance. And I've oft, I've long said this, and I'll say it again. They're the, they're the greatest team in history because they have an MVP in reserve. This is three consecutive years where one of their studs has gotten hurt in the playoffs. And, and the first year, Durant had a calf injury um, against the uh, the Blazers and missed games. Uh, it wasn't a high threat situation because the Blazers weren't that good, but they they just kept right on chugging. Obviously, uh, Curry missed time last year. They kept right on chugging. They're three and zero since Durant got hurt, and I'm going to tell you, I don't think Durant's anywhere close. And if they don't get behind in this series, uh, I don't think Durant's going to play in this series. So um, okay, so wait, wait a minute. You just said and I'll let you go after this because I, I know we're all busy, but you don't think it's anywhere close to him coming back. I, mean, I, I think if it was Game Seven. He could come out and play, but I think in a in a in a in a recovery situation where you want to play games beyond this, and you're thinking about you know the finals or whatever, the chances of re-injury are high. Um, I, like I don't think I think they pref- would prefer not to use him in this series, and if they lose sure. the next two right. games and get down two one, I think okay, let's revisit it. But if if they don't fall behind if it gets to game six or seven. but um, I, And by the way, I don't think Cousins is anywhere close either. Uh, I mean, unless you want to see the guy run with it with a, with a, a hitch in his giddy-up, because I'm watching him run. Uh, he's working at it, but I don't I, – again, I, I can't rule anything out, but I would be surprised if you saw him in this series. So this is kind of who they've got right now. Hey, enjoy it, and uh, that was awesome stuff. But really good, man. So hopefully we get to right. talk to you again. And then um, your podcast for all of our listeners, so they can check it out and subscribe. The Hoop Collective. Am I supposed to say rate, review, and all that junk? Yeah. You can tease. Yeah. Do you have something crazy coming up? Why LeBron should be traded to the Knicks? <laughs> yeah, actually, LeBron is going to be on the show. Uh, oh, this there week. you so go. Better tune in. Yeah, you know he's hanging out. He's got nothing else to do. He's 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 showing off his uh, playoff colorways of his shoe at his son's AAU games. So he's looking for a little attention right now, and and uh, we're going to give it to him. No, um, who, you know we we don't have guests on. We have our reporters who are out all over the country covering all these series and teams, and so. Uh, we'll have another episode uh, Thursday. I don't know if this is posting today. I'll say tomorrow, but that's dangerous in uh, in audio. So Thursday. And uh, we'll have another one on Sunday and then another one after that and another one after that. That's what we do. Sounds good, man. Enjoy the rest Thanks, of the uh, Western Conference Finals. Thanks for your time. All right. Take care. Okay. So check out Windhorse Podcast. And make sure you also check out the Low Post with Zach Lowe. More NBA talk. Zach is he's kind of a lottery guy. Does anybody else – do you have a thing like that about you, Saruti? Where there's this one thing that you seem to be attached to more than anything else? Here, it might be like soccer guy, you know? Is it, though? I mean, I'd like to think it is. I know. Wishful I know. thinking. But no, he gets, he's the guy that gets to hang out in the back room. See the, is the see go down. Is the Champions League final, has that happened yet? The Champions League final? No. 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 It's, uh, right? I think when it's is like it? the, either the last week of end of May, early June, I forget. One of those, one of those weekends on a Saturday. So that's a long break. From the semifinals, that's weeks. yeah. I mean, for the Premier, for the Premier League, yes. Um, a couple other leagues still going on. No, I'm aware. The Premier League. Well, you know what? We're going to worry about this stuff later because I won. I don't and know. People what I'm want you about. to pick a team too, so we got to figure that out at some point. Yeah, it, sem- it felt like everybody just kept saying Chelsea or Liverpool. Mm. Mm. I'm not going to do those. that. You know me. Yeah. I'll pick something different. The more you tell me to pick your team, West the Ham less likely. West Ham, nice. I don't know. Wolves. The Wolves. Hot Spurs. 
I don't have a duster though. Could I root for Tottenham and not have a duster and and fancy? Yeah, boots? no. Now if you now if you're a Tottenham fan, you just need to be like you know you need to wear skinny jeans and like a jean jacket. And you're good to go. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Before we uh, worry about Tottenham, when it comes to buying wine, most people's selections have nothing to do with taste. Instead, they base their decisions on which bottle looks the best or what's on sale. Thankfully, now there's First Leaf. We've been telling you about First Leaf for a while, the wine club that makes it easy to discover new wines you'll love. First Leaf has created a club experience customized to you. By rating the wines you receive, so you get them, hey, I like this one, I don't like this one. First Leaf determines your likes and dislikes, and they'll only send you wines you'll love. So, Rudy, you started by taking the First Leaf wine quiz. I assume like you and maddie just sat down and were like wine quiz time mexico how did that go i sort of let her deal with it um she's more of the, the wine person but we got a bunch of uh different kinds i'm pumped to try them i'm not a, i don't know a ton about wines so this is great for me because it's going to educate me in my future wine endeavors i've told some younger dudes about this be like hey you know what you should do get together on first leave take that wine quiz to assess the exact wine drinking preferences from sweetness to wine styles to even how adventurous people out there are trying with bringing in new wines. They learned about what Saruti likes, and more importantly, his wife. First Leaf then created an introductory six-pack of wine for anyone that brings it in, all for just $29.95. Seriously, an introductory six-pack of wine for $29.95. These wines normally go for at least $20 a piece. So you just like do it as a gift thing. So the bottles come in, you taste them, you rate them online. First Leaf takes the ratings, and then they select the new wines based on your taste Based on the, this is actually pretty simple, really. Hey, do you like this wine? You don't? Okay, we're not going to send stuff like that in the future. Oh, you do like this? Boom, here's even more. And the curated shipments just keep getting better and better as your palate becomes more refined and the ratings tell them where your palate's heading. That's some high-level stuff. So try First Leaf Wine Club today where buying great wine is simple. Sign up with my link and you'll get an exclusive intro offer. Six bottles of wine for only $29.95 plus free shipping. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash Rosillo, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O. That's six bottles of wine for only $29.95 plus free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com slash Rosillo. I would just walk in and go, what's the plan, bro? Why are you sleeping until one? We need to start stripping it back down to the base. It's your life and our advice. Let me fix your life, not just your back porch. Don't forget, now we're on to our second client. Uh, the life coach business is is thriving. We're selective in this, and uh, we're going to read an email, an application. Ryan, first of all, love the podcast. Keep being great. That's not why we picked this guy. I've got several things going on and need some coaching. I'm Jake, 21 years old. I'm from Texas. Love that. Love that state. I'll graduate this December from Angelo State University and plan to be a high school coach as a teacher, I guess, and also a teacher. But I don't know if I'm ready to be, quote, an adult yet and wonder if I should keep living the college life and go to grad school at Texas Tech or UT for two more years. Second is the ladies. It always is, guys. 95% of you are asking me how to talk to women in these emails. I don't know that we can full, I don't know if we can just dive into that one. And I might not even be the guy to ask. Okay, so seconds to ladies. Even though I'm 21, three girls I've dated within the past year and a half have gotten engaged since our things have ended. That's, I don't know if that's a hot or cold streak. Haven't even been on a date in a while, and I don't see any bright prospects in the near future. I've been noted as someone who has really high standards, and it seems that if somebody likes me, I don't like them back, and vice versa. Uh, should I drop the standards and just date to date, or keep the standards and just hope for the best at some point? Any advice will do, man. Appreciate the pod and love the segment. Jake joins us now. 
What's up, Jake? A lot going on there. Uh, nothing much, man. How about you? Uh, I'm hosting a nationally ranked podcast, so let's uh, let's start. Let's get a little background here because this is a. It sounds like a crossroads moment for you. I get it. I don't think I ever have a problem with uh, with anybody going. You know, this college stuff is real fun. Maybe I could extend this a little bit. I had a roommate though who, in May, started setting his alarm early and got up and had a budget for like the last two months that we were hanging out, and he was setting his alarm early to adjust to the real world. And I was so horrified about how how adult move that was. So uh, I hear you, Jake. So what's what's your current situation? You're graduating now, or you just graduated? Uh, I'm graduating in December. In December, uh, that's right, right. Uh, yes, love that winter walk. That's always a good one. So does that mean you took some time off, or you went home, or you failed out? Uh, no, it's just I'm actually graduating a year or a half, a, yeah, semester early. Oh, so you're and brilliant. In the, okay. In the in the teacher job world, I guess there's not really there's not really any jobs in December, so to speak. <laughs> Okay, so what's the money situation? What are we talking about? Do you have money set aside? Do the family have money? Is money going to be a struggle for you? Because that's pretty much uh, what's going to... Yeah, the financing, The uh, I don't really have a whole lot of money just because I'm in college. Uh, well, I understand you don't have a lot of money, but like, what are no, your par- when you I say to have... your parents, I want to go to grad school so I don't have to be an adult right now, how is that received? Um... Well, my, I'm actually paying my own way through college, so okay. usually I'm working jobs or like working out on a ranch, worked on a couple farms, stuff like that, just to pay the bills. Okay, Jake. So it's go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Oh, uh, so it's it's going to school, going to work, and pretty much that's it. Got to tell you, man, you sound like a cut from a real good cloth here. So you can we just talk about the ranch stuff? Because I think there's a lot of guys outside of the ranch world that fantasize about like I just like to be out on a ranch, you know, doing my ranch thing. Tell us a little bit about ranch life. Uh, pretty hard. Uh, not a lot of people hear. are cut out for it. So let's see. I'll wake up at five thirty in the morning, and you get out there. You're out there. You're feeding before the sun even comes up. Come, I live in West Texas, so the sun comes up at like seven, seven fifteen. So I'm already up an hour and a half before the sun's even up. And then you do it's a lot more than just riding a horse all day, every day. You gotta fix fence, uh do a lot of welding, a lot of construction, that kind of stuff. It's uh not made for everybody. Every once in a while there'll be days where you don't work because it rains too much or you work twelve, fourteen hour days. You never know. So you don't get to just sit around and sing songs and pack dips under a tree like you gotta the welding no. part i think you, the welding you, part's gonna scare some people off uh it's not too bad i mean the days you're in the tractor are actually pretty great because you're in there you're just sitting in there i usually listen to your podcast or someone else or Who sports talk radio like the local stuff and then uh just sit there in the tractor all day which town in West Texas? Because I've been out there a couple times and drove through. I did the the Lubbock to Odessa Midland thing. Like I did that drive a couple times. All right. Well, uh, Lubbock's actually I call it Panhandle uh, area. It's not even west. Oh, jeez. Uh, I got that. I wrong. live in. Uh, have you seen the movie The Rookie with Dennis Quaid? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Big Lake. That's where I'm from. Okay. Okay, so, so let's that's, 
let, let's do this, Jake. Yeah. So it sounds like you know what hard work is, which may be the most important thing you can have in life. I'm, I'm serious. Like, yeah, there's a bunch of other things. I don't want to rank them right now with everybody on social media. But if you know what a hard day's work is, it, it actually means a lot. I, I think it can shape you as, as a person. So you have that going for you, and I really like that. Um, the whole West Texas thing, all in, even though apparently I don't know my geography as well as I thought I did. Uh, what do you want to do, man? Like, what do you, in five years, what would make you really happy? What current situation? I'm not talking about, like, playing for the Cowboys. Like, let's let's be realistic here. No. Um, five years, that's a tough question. Uh, I'd like to get a stable job in a good community. Uh, teach and coach, the ultimate reason I want to go to grad school is so I can be an athletic director and head football coach at some point. So that's the... That's the main goal, but in five years, I really just want a stable job where I don't have to work in the sun 12 hours, 14 hours a day and get a, enough money to get by. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm very impressed with you already. I, I really am. Because oh, you, thank you, you do. So when you say, hey, I don't really know what I want to do, you actually answer that question perfectly because you go, well, actually, I'd like to be an athletic director. Because what, what scared us off a bit in the email was that it seemed like you just wanted to go to UT or tech to like just not have to grow up, but you left out the part where you want to be an athletic director. So you're paying your own way. I don't know what the in-state, you know, non, I don't know what the, the tuition stuff is. I know it's out of control everywhere. So part of me is concerned about you just taking on insurmountable debt and all this stuff because just to go, Hey, I don't want to grow up and I want to do this. Like I would probably do that. If I, if somebody said to me, Hey, you can go to Austin for two more years and just kind of go to grad school, you know, whatever you're going to study, you're going to study. I would probably be dumb enough to just go ahead and do it and take out the extra loans because I took out the loans to go to school in Vermont. But at that point, I knew I wasn't going to grad school. But you're right. If you really want to be an athletic director, you're going to have to go to grad school. If you're okay with taking out those loans, I mean, I don't, I, I feel so bad for your generation of having to deal with how absurd and the escalation of this tuition thing is totally, it's, it's almost unlawful. Now, I don't think it should be free. I'm not a psychopath like people that have argued that just everything should be free either. But you have a great work ethic. I can tell just in your voice, you're not a jerk. And I would just try to look at some of the math there because life has a weird way of, hey, I don't want to go to grad school. I don't want to take on that debt. And then all of a sudden you're 30 and you're going, man, I can't be an athletic director even though I'm qualified, even though I'd be good at it. I just I don't have that degree. It's not impossible. I don't think it's impossible for be an athletic director. You may want to ask mm. around, ask other people about their path. That'd be a smart thing to do. Start asking other people that have that job and be like, "What do you think I should do here?" But you got to get out of the sun, and it sounds like you have a plan to go ahead and do that. But would you freak if you were a high school coach and teacher next year? Like, say, not December, you work through the spring, and then fall twenty twenty, you're a teacher not going to grad school. I think you actually sound like you'd be okay with that. Uh, I don't know. It's kids are uh, kids are completely different. You know, I'm technically still a kid. Sometimes it's it's a whole different world, and I don't know if it's just a scared thing or if it's just because I don't feel like I'm ready yet. I don't know. Well, don't don't beat up yourself on that one uh, because that's that's real normal. Actually, to have that awareness to ask yourself those questions, I think is a great trait. Instead of 
Like you have friends that are oblivious to that stuff and never even think about it. And the next thing you know, they're like, man, I didn't put together any kind of plan. So you're a thinker, which can be a problem because you can overthink, but at least you're aware of the stuff, right? I don't, everything you just said sounds great. Now, before we dig too much deeper into this, because we're going to get some feedback on you. This is going to go over a lot better than Frank's session, Jake. So oh, that the, should be the Tinder guy. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about the dating thing because I had this weird run where I would, be hanging out with a girl who had broken up from somebody serious and then our hangout would end pretty quickly and they would get back together. The thing was serious and they would get engaged immediately. So the negative way to look at that is I'm so terrible that when a girl gets away from me, she's like, okay, I don't want to be single and deal with that guy. Those types of dudes. I'm just going to get back engaged to the dude that I was with the whole time. Right. Um, that was actually yeah. probably true for me in my twenties. But I wouldn't, this is just seems like a random occurrence here. I don't, I don't think it's, it's too weird. And I don't think you should start doing a, hey, everybody's getting engaged. These people I've dated, they've gotten engaged. So now I need to get engaged. Don't start thinking that way because that's when you end up marrying the wrong person. Ah, okay. Why? You want to be engaged now? No. No, not at all. It's just, you just want to be better at dating? I guess so, yeah. That's the, what are your standards? Like, who would you... Give me a famous girl that you'd like. If she wasn't famous, that would that's who I'd want to date. Ooh. Uh, man, I got a big old crush on Casey Musgraves. Casey Musgraves? I mean, I love Casey Musgraves. What's up? What about, like, Tina Fey? Tina? Tina's... It's funny. Accomplished. That, oh, she's funny, but she's like forty-five, right? <laughs> just trying to gauge. Just trying to gauge. You know the lanes not here. Not into old lanes. Okay, yeah. So what? Thing. What's your what's your approach? I mean, is that farmers only thing work? Oh, I'm, no. We signed up my biology teacher for that when we were in high school. So I don't think farmers only works. <laughs> I think it does, though. Did he know you signed him up for it? Oh, it was a she. So she, we all oh. got in trouble for that. She, okay. So a bit mischievous. What, yeah, uh, but, uh, all right. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a better question. Like take, give us a couple minutes on, on your dating thing, what you're looking for, what your goals are. Uh, well, goals are someone who's actually supportive because I found out, you know, I, I didn't realize how much, you know, how much work coaching and teaching is, mm-hmm. but those are, those are just, 12, 14 hour days, but you're actually impacting people's lives and does cattle's lives. So that's a big difference. So it's kind of just someone who's, who understands that I'm not going to be home all the time. And that's hard to find, especially now because everyone, women my age, they all have to be together with their person at all times, it seems like. Like there's no independence whatsoever. There, everybody does everything together, and there's not really a whole lot of freedom. Man, you're speaking right to my soul because that's how I've always felt. I'm like, hey, you're not going to be my number one priority. But here's what I've learned is don't tell a girl that right away. Like, hey, what are you looking for in a relationship? I want you to understand there's going to be things way more important than you at certain times. So I had to learn how to stop saying that. Um, you're going to find somebody... I know this sounds a little parentish, but you are going to find somebody who goes, yeah, that's cool. Like I have a, a good friend. He's kind of quiet, met a quiet girl, and I'll be like, what's what's the deal? Like, does she make you cuddle with her the entire time? 
He's like, no, we go into separate ends of the house and we read books by ourselves and it's totally great. And we have separate bedrooms and sometimes we stay in the same bedroom and sometimes we don't if, so the other person can't sleep and they want to stay up and read. And that way the other person doesn't have to deal with the light thing. So, I mean, that's a simple way of telling you, you know, maybe you're feeling right now you haven't met that person that sees the world you, the way you see it, but you will, okay? There's, there's a lot of us out there. But your standards thing scared me a bit. Are, are you ever... Jake, have you been considered to be honest? Because I've had to answer this. Like, would your friends say you're a guy that a lot of girls are interested in, or has it been harder for you? Or, you know, have you ever been the hot guy? I mean, your name sounds your West Texas Ranch Jake. That's that's a five, even if you were I, I don't want to say anything, so I'll just I'll just leave it that way. So I think you you have a lot of good things working for you here. Uh well, I maybe not the hot guy all the time, but some of the time. I mean, I'm not not too ugly, I guess. Okay. Not, I'm not too ugly. I think that's good. We'll just leave it right there. Standards. So what do you do? Are you the guy that will like only date or only go on a date if it's the most beautiful girl at the bar type of thing? Uh, Yeah, sometimes. I'll be honest, yeah. Yeah, right. Okay, so it's only looks. That's okay. It's actually great. You could admit it. So what if a girl was like cute, but you thought there was like one little thing that was kind of wrong with her. You wouldn't want to be seen on a date with her in public. Uh, That's a yes. No, it's it, probably. Yeah. No, okay. it's hard. All right. Go on a date with somebody else. Find out the tuition situation and what the loans are going to cost you and talk to somebody, find somebody who's an athletic director that can guide you a little bit. That's your homework. All right. Yes, sir. All right, Jake, we're going to check in with you again soon. Thanks a lot. All right, appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Jake, instant reactions. Here we go. I think Jake, you know, at first I read the email and I was like, this guy just wants to go to grad school to party because he doesn't want to grow up. And I think initially my first take is that is not what he's trying to do. He has more of a plan that I think I that I think he alluded to in the email. Definitely. Because I think if it was the first thing of like, yeah, let me just rack up some debt so I could party more, like you can just do that without going to college. Like, I don't know why you need two extra years of grad school. So that's what worried me initially. But honestly, like, he seems like he's kind of got a plan. I think the best part of the entire thing was when you asked him, like, how good-looking he was, and he was like, I'm all right, basically. Which is like, okay, so he's got a level head. He's got high standards. That's okay. Um, But who doesn't? Honestly, at 21, like, I don't blame him for having that. You could always lower your standards later in life, right? Yeah, right. Although some would argue that's the time to lower your standards. Well... Yes and no, but it seems like he, I don't know, I didn't get the quite the vibe if he was just looking for hookups or if he was looking for a long-term relationship. No, I think he's, I think he's a long-term guy. Yeah. Because so then, he then, started talking some big grown-up stuff there. Yeah, but then you don't want to, he said he wasn't even close to like wanting to get married though, so, you know, yeah, obviously. When, when he said, I'm looking at somebody who can understand how important teaching and like, he said some awesome stuff there. Yeah, yeah. Like, I need a partner that's going to understand how dedicated I have to be to kids as a teacher and as a coach so that, you know, sometimes I'm not going to be home all the time. I mean, I, I think the male and female, I think there should be just a huge convention where we have different speakers from, you know, the opposite sides of the sex and we just go, do all of us really want to hang out as much as we seem to think? Because if we could just come up with some sort of peace treaty where there's an expectation hours, because like girls get such a bad rap with this that there's all these, it's only girls that want to be around dudes from sunup to sundown. 
And that's not true. There's plenty of guys that suck that just won't leave their girl alone. Definitely. So, I don't know. I just think the the cat people should just, not that I'm a cat person, but cats are independent. You know, some people are like dogs in a relationship and some people are like cats. And I don't mean this as a, a cat versus dog thing, but I think you understand my point, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely... I'm definitely a cat person in a relationship. I need space. Yeah, but you hate time. cats. I don't like cats, although I have a cat now, which is... Wait a minute, yeah, what? You... I, know, I know, I know. Sound pump. What's its name? Name's Ollie. Messy? No. Oh. We, we you know, we rescued him. That was his name when we got him. He's actually pretty cool. I mean, he'll never come Gulf close to the, to the dog. Uh, Mumph. What's up, Mumph? Um, Wait a minute. Did you name your dog after Mumford and Sons? Yeah, we've been over this. Happily? Yeah, remember when Canel was like, oh, like that's such th- – because I was like, I wanted to name it something different, and that's cool. We both like Mumford and Sons, blah, 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 blah. And Canel was like, that's like everybody names their dog Mumford, and he named his dog like Blitz or something. And I'm like, dude, that's the that's like the most generic jock name for, of all time for a dog. Somebody should name a dog Party. Although I think he named his dog Bowden now, his new dog. Yeah. But yeah, shouts out to Mumph. But no, I'm definitely more of a of a cat dude in a relationship. I need space. I need time to like play video games by myself with my buddies, whatever. Um, so you got to go find a girl who wants who 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 understands if you're a cat or a dog. And it seems like Jake has under control. Under control? Maybe not under control, but like he knows that he he knows that that's what he wants. It sounds like he's real picky, real picky. That's okay. That's I. I See, that, but the thing is that you brought up the whole thing of like, oh, should you not be picky at that age of life? I don't know. I mean, if you're just going to bars and just, you know, hitting on anything that moves, like, all right, yeah, maybe well, you shouldn't yeah, be picky, but it doesn't right, seem like that's right. what he wants to do. So I don't think he should lower his standards right now at age 21, fresh out of, almost fresh out of college, because, you know, you can lower your standards in 10, 15 years. Mm. You disagree? Well, no, I, you don't want to be that guy. Like, we, we have friends that we would go on you know, any kind of trip or something. And it's just as soon as we got to a bar, and this is a long time ago, but as soon as you get to the bar, it's like firing right on the hostess, right on the waitress, you know, cocktail waitress. Yeah, nobody likes hey, I think, And it's just, God, like, just take a breath, man. Like, we actually all came together this weekend because we want to hang out with each other. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time for that stuff. And some guys are just like, once unleashed, it's it's over. You know, and it doesn't sound like that's Jake's deal at all. But he said he said he's not called the hottest guy all the time, which <laughs> led me to believe that sometimes he is. Well, the first thing that came to my mind was like maybe when he's in his like you know ranching outfit, like that's kind of a turn on thing for some girls, like you know, like a man in uniform, man in uniform kind of deal. Because like they're you know you, you get out on the ranch getting sweaty, you know, you got you got your Dickies jeans on or whatever, right. Carhartt jacket. Like I get it. That could be a good-looking look for him, West Texas guy. There's 100% agreement on this side of the table over here. I think there's some of our female listeners are going to be like, I like I like the total package from Jake. I don't even need to see a picture. That's not true. But I like Jake. I, I, think, he's, I think he's further along than he realizes. I think he just needs to be told, you're doing all right, man. You're doing, you're doing better than you're giving yourself credit for. So... Let's, uh, you know what I've noticed from, from these the emails? These yeah. emails, a lot of guys at you know, at his age, twenty one or whatever, like are freaking out about life. And you know, I, I I'm trying to think of like back when I had just graduated college. Like I didn't really have a ton of stuff figured out. I didn't really know what I wanted to do necessarily. But I don't I don't remember being like that panicked about like oh like I need to get my life together. You know, 
And I think a lot of dudes are kind of feeling that, at least at least in the emails that we've been getting. Well, if you're sending in an email, it means you've been thinking about it, right? For sure. Like if, a if lot of them start with, I don't know if I want to do this, but I might as well screw it. And then they just go off on like several paragraphs about how they're like worried about everything. Uh, well, remember, when you're 21, you haven't been 30 yet. So you don't know any better. You've only been 21. I know that sounds incredibly simple, but it's true. Like when this is your only life experience up until this point and you're only 21, like what are the other stuff? Junior high? I mean, come on. High school? We're going to pretend any of this stuff really matters? So now this is like the first moment in your life that it feels real. So that is a freak out moment. I mean, you can, and you can either just go, Hey, it's all going to work out. It's going to be fine. I mean, that's why I always ask about the money situation because it matters. Like, are you from a family where they're like, yeah, we're going to pay for your first condo in New York? I had friends like that where as soon as they moved to New York City, the way to help them get started is like the family bought them a two-bedroom. And you go, well, you seem to have an advantage. Um, and that's – then I have other people that were like the day they got the diploma, they were 100% cut off. And some people were cut off before that. So it's – No, it matters. Like, it's a big deal. It's, it's a huge deal because if – now, I know, I know like a couple guys that I think I've met in this business where I feel like they got married just to have somebody who could support them financially as they pursue, you know, broadcasting because if you're going to get into broadcasting, you're going to be broke <laughs> until, you know, I try not to make everything mirror my timeline, but you're not going to be making money until a few years into it. Although I do think getting into broadcasting is, is totally changed. Uh, but for the most, like most people wanting to do it, you're not going to make any money. So when somebody says, Hey, I want to do what you do. I'm like, okay, are you cool being broke until you're 30? The last thing I kind of found interesting too, was that he said his last three girlfriends have are now engaged or married. That's uh I don't think that's on him, man. That's early. Like if he, I don't know how old, maybe they're older. I don't know, but, uh, that's if I, I I could see why that would freak him out a little bit, but I don't think that's a that's a him problem or anything. It, it seemed more of a freak out thing in the email, but the way he handled it, I thought he was I thought he was a little bit more okay with it than it felt like when it read. I uh, I have I have big hopes for Jake. I'm not worried about him at all. I'll tell you what, would it be weird to hook Jake up with Frank and have Frank <laughs> show him the ropes? Honestly, a little bit? that's not a terrible idea. Frank could be the life the, the sit in life coach. I could see Frank. Being like, can I get a couple days out on the ranch? And then Frank could I don't know if Frank would be down with that, though. (laughs) Okay. That's tough. True. No, it's real tough. It's real tough. But here's what you're not thinking about with Frank, is Frank would do a couple days on the ranch to be able to tell girls that he did some ranching in West Texas. (laughs) Oh, so it's a long-term plan. I get that. Right. That's like when dudes move to Montana, and they're like, yeah, you know, I just went there to find myself kind of thing, you know. (laughs) Got a job at a a resort ranch deal. I just booked 10 days in Montana. (laughs) So you, all right. <laughs> Sorry, Will did that too. Will moved up there to be a rancher. Yeah, no, he moved up there to write a novel. I just wanted to find a place with a decent gym <laughs> <laughs> so I can finish this script. Uh, all right. Well, that was a pretty good, uh, that was a, that was a pretty good, uh, way to bring it all back together. I, I'm not worried about Jake at all. We'll see how he does with the homework. I just don't want to make those an hour long and I could make them long. I don't know that I'm a great uh, counselor because sometimes I talk too much to the actual guy instead of listening to him. Now, you kind of need to move it along. That's what you that's need That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. There, if somebody's actually a therapist listening to this, be like, you'd be the worst therapist ever because you need to just shut up and listen to him. It's like, yeah, but it's also a podcast too. So, you get, you know, I, I'm dealing with time constraints. I don't think anybody wants an hour of me listening to Jake. That might be tough. Yeah. That would maybe we should try it and see what people say. 
It'll be a bonus pod. A part two bonus pod without Ryan and a kid who's 21. Solo Jake. Solo <laughs> What if one of the podcasts I go on vacation, it's like, hey, welcome in. I'm Jake, filling in for Rye. So let me tell you about the Mahindra. Um, okay. That'll do it for me. I'll be headed to the Combine. I can't wait to hear all the juicy details that may be totally inaccurate come July. But it's still going to be fun. Make sure you check out the Rosilla Show pod and a reminder that it looks like June 3rd or 4th, SVP and Rosillo podcast will be launching. And I definitely should have said this at the top of the podcast and not the very end. 